0: Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to send you to ReformCon.org to tell you about a conference we are speaking at. It is happening October 27th through the 29th in Mesa, Arizona.
1: Yes, obviously we will be there and there is a series of other wonderful speakers. Uh, we'll have Toby Sumter, Jeff Durbin, your dad, Summer. Yes, uh, I'm really excited for David Bonson, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, Ben Merkel, and more Um, there on the website you can also find uh, ticket information there are family packages uh general admission child admission there is a vip after party event that you can also purchase tickets to as well as information on the hotel that the event is being
0: held at so that is all at reformcon.org and we're excited to meet you guys there
1: yep come see us have you had your soup today and the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. <laughs> pounds. Oh.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in sheets. Oh, yes, we are. It's not related to the topic at all, but I don't think we've ever done that one. I don't think I've ever said sheets.
1: Um, There's a lot of things I think we've never done on this show. <laughs> and I'm sure I could be surprised. <laughs>
0: It's a good thing we have so much time left. Right. (laughs) Um, Did you know dope sheets is a word? I don't know what that
1: is, and I'm scared to Google it. Yeah, but I think I get why you'd be scared. On,
0: like, the Scrabble word finder, it was there. It gives you a lot of points if you play dope sheets.
1: Sounds like the kind of word a Scrabble cheater is. I know.
0: My husband always beats me at Scrabble, which is why I don't play anymore.
1: (laughs) It's not fun anymore? It's not fun anymore. That's the thing is there are some games that are just like part of it is the challenge. That's how I feel about chess. Like part of it is the challenge and I don't yeah. offer any challenge. Like, yeah, I already know I'm not going to be fun. I'm not going to have fun. So you're not going to have fun. Yeah. It's like, so let me help you just not and just not do, do it. something like, else. Play a different game. Yeah.
0: I totally get that. My husband also beats me. No. Well, yeah. We do this thing. We're pretty evenly matched in chess. So we just end up like at the end, both of us have two pieces and we're just like chasing each other around the board. And it's like, I give you win. Right. I'm going to put my king right in the way. Right. <laughs> like, can this be? the time, That's actually against the rules. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story. Sheets. That's where we're at. Um, we don't know what dope sheets are. I don't know what we dope know sheets what are. You could tell Regular
1: sheets are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, I was thinking earlier that one of the most, I think, divisive, but this could be a Southwest thing, but one of the most divisive topics is Mexican food. I was thinking about it because we were eating tacos, some of my favorite okay. tacos. And uh, I, I got a horchata because. Oh, I didn't even.
1: <sighs> I mean, it's delicious.
0: I don't know, like when I'm pregnant, sometimes it just hits so right. I don't know
1: what, I don't normally, it's... It's really refreshing. It's so milky though. See, I find milky refreshing though. Oh. I think there are two types of people on the planet, like people that find a cold glass of milk refreshing and people who are like, no, I need to be in a mood for a cold glass of milk. Yes. But I'm one of those people that's like, yeah, like it's just, it's so cold. It like gets colder than water can it get. Does I don't know if I don't. know it can't be of, true. Like, fat content or something, something. like that. Something. Yeah, but,
0: but there's people listening that don't even know what that is. Horchata, anyway. They don't. Oh. Know, they don't know. You know. Oh, it's so good. I
1: know, and and uh, it's rice. It's rice, right? Right. It's, it's rice, rice milk, cinnamon, cinnamon.
0: Yeah. It's rice, cinnamon, sugar, milk. Yeah. And it's you get it at delicious Mexican restaurants mm-hmm. and um. The last date I went on with Eric, we went to um, kind of a, a bougie Mexican restaurant. They, oh, okay. They try to be bougie. Yeah. Um, Whatever. They don't make chimichangas, so get out. But, like, that's them. <laughs> that was me being, like, too I bougie see. bougie for fried? You're too mm, bougie to I fry see. your burritos? I see that. Anyway. <laughs> um, but they make this horchata that comes in this glass chalice. Oh, the what? cup of which, I mean, has to be has to be eight inches in diameter, the top. So it's like a bowl. It's like a bowl of horchata, and it is good. Ah. And they put like cinnamon sugar on the rim. Ooh. I mean,
1: it's really just... That sounds like quite the production.
0: <sighs> yeah. So if you go... Uh, correct
1: me, but is horchata... <laughs> it's like one of the only dairy-free drinks I can think of that isn't dairy-free because of some... Like... Mm -hmm. you know like whole foods and starbucks they have to offer all the dairy free options because of dietary restrictions yeah but horchata is like the only thing i can think of that's made with like a dairy milk substitute that's actually supposed to be made with that yeah i don't know the rules i don't know either but i'm glad they follow them it's so good and if you've never had it well i guess maybe i was gonna say if you've never had it you should try it but to if, uh, you, if you never knew what it was and you've never had it, you probably uh, live in a place where it would be hard to
0: get Yeah, I feel like if you and live in a did. place that does not regularly serve horchata, you probably shouldn't seek it out.
1: Find a good recipe online. When
0: I lived in Georgia, I sought out Mexican food because uh-huh. I'm from Arizona. Right. It's hard it's a part of our... to live life without Mexican mm-hmm. food. And, um, you know, they have Mexican food restaurants, but they don't have Mexican food. They have, like, that, would, you know, they have places where basically it would be, it'd be like saying, like, I love Asian food. Panda Express is my favorite. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love Italian food. I always go to Olive Garden. You know what I mean? Like.
1: <laughs> or I was thinking Fazoli's. Fazoli's? Fazoli's. So, I mean. What? Is there any. Does anything get more early 2000s no. than Fazoli's? No. Oh, People, man. I, I want to tell, like, Fazoli, dear Fazoli's people don't eat noodles anymore <laughs>
0: no <laughs> because of what you did because of what you did we can't even do it anymore <laughs> I heard fazole's is coming back to the valley like, did you now, hear I that almo- yes yeah. but now I almost feel like
1: <laughs> I don't know I feel like there's judgment surrounding fazole's <laughs>
0: Like, because our nation's under judgment, like
1: take- Fazoli's is coming back. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine <laughs> is that your taking position? my whole fi- being like, I love my family so much. I want them to just feel spry and healthy. <laughs> Ooh, I'll go to tonight.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing. I can't remember what I ate at Fazoli's, but I, I remember, know. I remember the cardboard smell. Yeah. I remember the food smelled like
1: cardboard. I remember that every once in a while you would get an over drenched oh, breadstick. Yes. And it was just like, whoa, <laughs> all the seasoning was on that one breadstick. And now my blood pressure jumped several points. <laughs> so gross. It was so gross. Anyway. I if wonder what it's like now. I enjoyed it back then, but I just I don't you know. You were 10. The early 2000s were a different.
0: Time. <laughs> the early 2000s were such a different time. My kids will never know. They'll never understand what it was like. I mean, I grew up because so because I grew up in the Southwest, I grew up with real Mexican food. Right. But I also thought Olive Garden was Italian food. Okay. So, then when I started visiting New York and I had oh. real Italian food right that was like oh wow this is a whole thing I've never experienced yeah. and I do have a theory I'm gonna say this and yes we're recording <laughs> um so interested so I've been all over the west coast and you know each region has its food that's like this is so good here right. you it know makes
1: sense that the more. The more people who cook that food culturally, it would be better in that. You've never exclusively good, right?
0: Like no, you've never had a bagel till you've had a bagel in New York. You've never had a slice of pizza. I'm
1: assuming there's a difference between an Arizona lobster and a Maine lobster. Of course,
0: okay. There's (laughs) massive differences. All right, and I can appreciate all of that. I, I mean, you, I love pizza. But I'm not going to act like pizza I get here in Arizona is the pizza you get in New York City. They're not the same thing. Right. It's not the same. That's fine. Okay. Now, I've been all over the country. I've traveled quite a bit. And the fact of the matter is, this is just a fact, and I I have some good news and some bad news. Okay. The bad news is, the only region where I've eaten food like out at restaurants and whatever popular restaurants where it was consistently just awful food that i hated and never wanted again. chicken <laughs> gonna... <laughs> was in the south. Okay? The south does not do restaurant cooking well. They just don't. Home
1: cooking they're known for it.
0: But here's the th- here i have a theory. That's my this is my theory as to why. Okay. Is that if you go to a restaurant in the south, prepare for disappointment. Just prepare. I don't care if it's a Chipotle. I don't right. care if it's the famous barbecue. Pl- it's all disgusting. Okay. Total trash. Especially
1: if Summer is with you. Oh, it's the worst. She's going to get, for some reason, <laughs> Summer only gets food that's been converted into soup when she's in. Why?
0: <laughs> Why do they only serve me soup? Okay. What the she heck? wants like a f-
1: five full ladles of sauce on her... <laughs> That's yeah, what they, probably. that's what they
0: did. That's what they did. That's what everyone else orders. Okay. But here's the deal is that every restaurant you go into is disappointing, but every home that you go into, the women can cook. Right. And that's my theory. I think because in the South, everyone can cook. They don't rely on restaurants right. to do it right. Right. Because everybody's mama can cook and everybody's right. grandmama can cook and some of the best homemade food i'd
1: ever had Which means the best restaurants are just little it's all like teenagers fam- that had to go get <laughs> well i just <laughs> mean, i mean like little family joints that are known by the community that's they're probably good. home home cooking
0: As long as it's home cooking in the South, you're safe. I mean, one time this lady, a vegetarian, made me a home-cooked meal, and it was like one of the best things I've ever had, okay? Very good. Like, that's the level of, I think, home-cooking skill Mm -hmm. the South has. And, you know, I didn't want to go to a restaurant. I want to go to my friend's house when I lived in Georgia because her food was so good. And she learned how to make a chimichanga for me. None of the Mexican restaurants could make a chimichanga. And after two years living there, I thought I was going to die if I didn't eat one. (laughs) And they had taken me to all the Mexican restaurants. And the people at the restaurant would be like, yeah, we make chimichangas. And they would deliver me a wet burrito every time. It was disgusting. And so my friend, five doors down... Made me the only chimichanga that I had the entire time I lived in Georgia. Actually,
1: a chimichanga, and it
0: was delicious. So, good job, Southern ladies, on being excellent cooks is the moral of the story. And your restaurants are terrible. Not translating to
1: restaurants. (laughs) Horrible,
0: (laughs) disgusting. Anyway, yeah. Come to Arizona get some tacos. They're delicious, Uh, and horchata.
1: Yeah. Some people would be like, Arizona?
0: Yeah, they don't count. What about California? Yeah, they're probably from California. The Californians think they know tacos, and they don't.
1: I'm not sorry. Listen, California. <sighs> Listen. We don't even apologize to them anymore. <laughs>
0: I'll still apologize to a- Australia, oh, but yeah. not you. I'll apologize to France. <laughs> Before I apologize <laughs> to California.
1: <laughs> I have family there, and, you know, Whatever. In California? Yeah. I don't know that I have any I used to have family there. Multiple different yeah. relatives, but All over. They left. I wonder why. All
0: over. You know that shark attack that happened last week? Uh no. Okay. Sixty three year old man almost died. I think lost his arm and his leg. Great white. Um the bite, they think it might have been deep blue, which is the largest oh, yeah. like uh, the largest Great white that we know of. Right. Um, It might have been her because of the size, the forensic look at the size of the bite Mm -hmm. indicates that it might have been her. Anyway, that happened in Pacific Grove, which is a little known beach town that I used to have family in and I used to visit all the time. And Mm. I used to go to that beach. One of the few. And now sharks are taking. And now
1: and I (laughs) see what's happening in California. (laughs) You guys (laughs) get out while you can. Anyway, nobody has arms and legs left. (laughs) <laughs> it's horrible.
0: <laughs> but I uh, hopefully, I think, I haven't checked the news in a few days, but the man was going to survive extensive inju- injuries. Right. And he's an older person. It's not like he's. Right. And, um, but hopefully he's going to live. He lost a lot of blood. That was, I think, the main concern. I would concern. imagine.
1: I mean, even just an adult a great white attack versus like a different shark is kind of a different
0: yeah and if it's the largest great white we know of right like (laughs) or
1: or similar or Or yeah largest great white adjacent along those lines oh it's a larger one we haven't tagged yeah aware of okay 20 feet long this shark
0: man yeah so anyway uh yeah that's the pacific grove update for this episode
1: Love that place. Um, <laughs> I feel like shark attacks are in our wheelhouse. They're definitely in our wheelhouse. I feel like people would be surprised to not hear yeah. about the latest shark attack.
0: Well, of course, I, I jumped on my app.
1: They don't happen that often. No. So we're not going to be reporting on it. But, you know, no. yeah. come here for all your shark attack related mm-hmm. news.
0: There's a, a shark conspiracy I'm actually following right now. You want to oh, hear? Uh-huh. Um, so I've told you guys before about the app Osearch. Search where you can download the app and all the sharks and the oh, one turtle yeah. that are tagged you can track them right. and watch their movements mm-hmm. which obviously I do. Yeah. Because duh. Um well I found this We
1: got to know what they're up to. Yeah,
0: what are the sharks doing? Where are they? How far out? It's like out? the
1: real world for sharks. Yeah,
0: obviously I watch it. Um so there's another <laughs> there's another guy on the internet who follows Osearch and he does videos on these sharks and things like that. And um there was a shark that Osearch was tracking and we watched it in a very so it was like really clustered this was happening in the North Atlantic. The shark's movements were like clustered kind of off the coast of like Maine and this is where the shark was okay. hanging out. Well then one day it randomly pings in the middle of the Atlantic. I just like, it went, it was, it like, pinged, you know, off, not too far off the coast of Maine, and then 12 hours later, it pings again, and it's in, like, the middle, like, <laughs> like far, way out wow. there, okay? Um, And so it pings, it pings, and it stays out there for a while, and then it starts to come back more inland, and then all of that... Those pings were deleted from the history. And this guy who follows this stuff is convinced that it was probably eaten by a larger predator, which he's Mm. inferring would be like a megalodon type of shark Mm -hmm. who tend to they they don't if they exist still would not be clustered along the coast, but they would come in for feeding right. and then, and go, then back go back out. Yeah. Um, and so he just does all these videos on how they're hiding the Megalodon, <laughs> which is a total shark conspiracy that I would follow that I don't necessarily believe, but I just think it's super interesting. Oh, yeah. And he does, he doesn't just like they're randomly believers. He doesn't randomly believe it. Like he, he might right. be nuts, but he has, like, reasons why he believes right. this stuff more than what I just explained. But,
1: yeah, I do I'm of the opinion that there's more going on down there that we, that oh, we know, oh, for sure. About.
0: that is for sure. We absolutely should not be like pfft, prideful enough to be like, we know everything that's in the ocean. We but know that we, we don't know everything
1: that's <laughs> always happening on the earth. Right, <laughs> we always know that
0: everywhere, mm-hmm. the bottom of the ocean, we got eyes. Because satellites, <laughs> right. <laughs> but moral of the story, I just love following his content because I think it's just super interesting. Because he follows all that weird stuff. Right. Like if there's if there's reporting on stuff that's happening in the ocean, he follows it, and
1: it's just this is just like a part of what he it's, reports it's on. Super
0: interesting, and yeah, he's a firm megalodon believer, and. In- I want the megalodon to be real.
1: <laughs> so you mean like alive now? Yeah. Right. Like I definitely believe. Yeah. I want it to be real. That that it did. It was around.
0: Oh well, we know that. But, yeah.
1: We know that it was around. But around now.
0: I want it to be around now. I want that to be real. I know. Unless I was drowning in the ocean, in which case. <laughs> this is this is a hard.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't want it to be real. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't want to think about that. I don't. Want, did you ever have dreams? Was it just me? Dreams about like having to swim from the Statue of Liberty to London, England?
0: Um, no, but I definitely did go through a period of time as a child when we first moved into a house with a pool, where every time I went underwater and I had to close my eyes, oh, I really mm-hmm. felt that shark yep nipping yep. at my heels. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, for me, it was, um, I would slowly, like, at midday, the whole pool is like, yes, I'm playing in this whole pool in the deep end and everything. Yes. Look at all this light yeah. illuminating the water. Yes. And then as the day goes on and the, the, the shadow, shadow, like, yes yeah. in your pool, you're like, just not playing in the shadowy part. And every once in a while, you're like, looking into the shadowy part, like, yeah. Uh is a shark just about to appear now. 100%. Why? I don't know. Because water is just we're not totally on our A game in the water. <laughs> no. We're, that's true. We when you're in the water, <laughs> even just in a pool, not you on sort of A-game.
0: understand the water stronger than you right, in many ways. Like
1: this, you just rightly understand the situation yeah. you're in.
0: Yeah. I also had a very strong imagination and I used to every summer um tell myself that a ghost lived in my pool but she was my friend.
1: Oh. Um <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she was putting my, a positive spin on she it was, is really
0: important. She was my friend and um if I if I successfully completed certain missions then it might um avenge her death. <laughs> that was what I did for probably like third grade summer through okay. like fifth grade summer I was like creating little missions I shouldn't be admitting this I was creating little missions for myself to um avenge was my friend she
1: like how did why was she in the pool I can't remember oh she's well, she, was, well I mean, because she was
0: murdered in the pool obviously because that's where ghosts hang out that's obviously
1: the most. <laughs> Common way to die in a pool. Those are being
0: murdered in the pool. Those
1: are the rules of ghosts. I'm pretty sure is they stay where they were killed. Well, I'm just saying I can think of something more common that would happen to you in a pool that would cause you to die than drowning. Yeah, yeah. Well, then
0: there would be nothing to avenge, (laughs) right? So there had to be. Yeah, she was wrongfully murdered. It was a murder obviously. Right. She, she didn't deserve it. Business. Yeah, That's why she stuck around. And I had to help her and we were good great friends for multiple summers.
1: Well, you guys heard it here. Someone's <laughs> clearly haunted. <laughs> My pool <laughs> at least. You're like, yeah, sometimes I still see her.
0: I might make for an interesting. This is why I wanted to see that M night movie Lady in the Water cuz oh. I was like, I had a lady in the water. What?
1: we were friends Mom, it's her it's the same girl
0: <laughs> it was Bryce Dallas Howard this whole time <laughs> okay anyway um <laughs> we really you can leave us a voicemail 470-465-0475 uh, join book club at patreon.com slash sheologians Man, book club will already have started at this point by the time you guys hear this. But that's true. It's never too late to join because all of our past, present and future discussions about every chapter is there at patreon.com slash theologians. And that is where you can support the show as well. All right. So what are we talking about today? Why are we
1: doing this? Um, Well, we're talking about pragmatism. Yes. It's been a while. We Yeah we talked about this before long time ago and we're just I don't know that we I didn't listen did you listen to the old episode Mm-mm. I'm like hmm no I'm just realizing now for the first time that that was an option but uh, it was 2017 so so I'm sure we have quite a while ago <laughs> there's gonna be one person who's like I just listened I just- to that <laughs> I episode. Know. I know <laughs> for whatever reason uh, um but yeah originally we did this topic mm-hmm. because I interviewed Summer and right. she basically long story short was like the ba- one of the biggest issues facing the church is pragmatism so we did the episode on yes. that. Um but I don't remember entirely It's
0: funny to think about like what we I said. I wonder what sure made me what we'll say, say that well, I was thinking about just how much I think the world has changed, even since we started doing the podcast. Right.
1: I think, I think sometimes that makes me feel like what we said would be really different. Right. But there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's making me realize that with a lot of stuff, I have just developed more of the same opinion. Yeah. I my opinion hasn't really changed. I've there's been a lot of things my opinion has. Changed on, um, yeah. And but uh, but I I understand. I feel like I understand more now why you would have answered that question with yeah. pragmatism than even when you s- answered that way. <laughs> and I agreed with you back then. Right. So that's, that's right. It's important to talk about. And then the the big reason it came up again. Um, we were talking about it in book club, and that's where we kind of had the idea to do another episode. Um, is that we re- we well right now? <laughs> oh, the timeline! Oh, the timeline! So we just told you that the new book club will have already been started, but technically, yes. right now we're still in "Total Truth" by Nancy Piercy. Yes, and um, in that book, she had she basically has an entire little section on um pragmatism and how yes. it is a proponent of. Uh, Darwinian naturalism and kind of how that came to be and how that uh, of course the ultimate conclusion of her book is kind of how all that affects um today what we view truth to be right um but we it's not gone away pragmatism <laughs> has not gone away. Um, and I don't know really necessarily what you have to say about it, but a lot of what I have to say is really kind of just hitting on the head of what Nancy talked about, which is that, Um, I mean, I'm sure people will have opinions about what I'm about to say, but I think I think we can pretty clearly um, ignore the conclusions, not necessarily the observations, but the conclusions of any philosophy that is rooted in Darwinian evolution. (laughs) Right. Um, Yes. And so for me, one of the most important things that we would say in an episode about pragmatism Mm -hmm. is that it's absolutely um, an evolutionary mindset. Um, And it's I mean, how? Well, so I'm going to I pulled a quote from Total Truth. And Nancy basically uh, she gives an illustration using a central figure of the pragmatism philosophy, which was Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. (laughs) Um, So she uses his kind of life story to explain the main Mm -hmm. focuses of pragmatism. Um, And so basically he. uh, He goes to war he witnesses atrocities he's injured it like up he had opinions and beliefs before right but this these traumatic instances these bloody instances really like change his view of the world right
0: as they you know unsurprisingly they might have quite an impact
1: right <laughs> obviously that's not even that's not what's in question here at all right but so um she I'll just quote directly from the book but she says Instead, um, so like instead of taking what he believed before, I'm just going to read it. Uh, So instead, he determined to adopt a rather simplistic credo, whatever shall happen is best. And with a whispered prayer, he said, God, forgive me if I'm wrong. He went to sleep. Holmes had gone off to fight because of his moral beliefs, abolitionism, but he came home a moral skeptic. The war did more than make him lose those beliefs, writes one historian. It made him lose his belief in beliefs. That is, he emerged with a wartime experience with the firm conviction that firm convictions lead only to conflict and violence while recovering from the, his third war wound. He began reading books by Herbert Spencer, the enormously influential popularizer of social Darwinism and became conv- a convinced Darwinist. And then, Uh, From then on, he began to argue that evolution applies not only to physical organisms, but also to the sphere of beliefs and convictions. Mm. The great towering principles that have shaped civilizations are not transcendent truths, he wrote, but simply those that won out in the struggle for life among competing ideas. So what you're looking at is you're basically looking at fitness, which is. Uh, born from the evolutionary model which is that whatever has the most fitness is what wins out in the end and is most uh coherent with society um we don't christians don't believe that about truth um and yet here we are uh justifying uh i'm gonna say it wrong the means justify the end Mm -hmm. um The ends justify the means. The ends justify the means. I'm sorry. I told you I was going to say it wrong. Do you see how I... (laughs) Yeah, you're like,
0: (laughs) I really. I already know this is
1: backwards. (laughs) I already know and I'm moving forward. Well, and so like, like one of the, the, an example that I thought of was more people will come to church if we compromise the meaning of scripture. Right. To suit our modern time. And the more people in church, the more people hear the gospel and the more people get saved. And isn't that the whole point? Right. But that's... That is, um, in and of itself, it actually subverts the purpose of church. Of church, Right. Um, and so there is a... It's even, I guess, to summarize what pragmatism is, is that whatever works is best. Right. Um, but even that's based off of human perception. And it's undeniably Darwinian. So we should reject it. Yeah. I think... A lot. I remember being a kid
0: and the first time I wish I could, I know I've told this story before and I wish I could remember what movie it was, but we watched a movie and uh, something that the adults at my church were really good at was just like if they took us to a movie, like all of us kids or something, um, we would talk about it afterwards and they would ask like probing questions. Like we weren't allowed to just like be brain dead to just like just consuming a movie. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget being – I've forgotten the movie, but I don't forget the – I haven't forgotten the conversation, which was one of the adults asked, like, so does the fact that it, like, worked out in the end make it okay what he did? And I remember being 10 or 11 and feeling so strongly, like, yeah, because everything worked out and, like, the outcome was what you would want the outcome to be – then that totally negates the fact that he did a lot of really awful things to get there. Because I think that's that's how immature thinking thinks. Pragmatism, I think, at its root is extremely immature uh, yeah, thinking.
1: It, it It's very in line with what we've been talking about. It is basically the desire to cut corners. Yeah basically do the wrong thing to get the right result. Yeah. Which, and and the the right result, no.
0: And the right result was so desirable. It was, in my head, it was so necessary that this result come about. Right. That, that could even, that, that it did negate what happened before. Right. Uh, and it was just a real blessing for me (laughs) for that to be challenged at such a young age. Right um to be told like no and and I think just the it's really immature thinking but I think it's pretty natural to just be like no like but you want that good result so bad mm-hmm. you want that good thing to happen you know and that good thing could even be a moral thing but that doesn't make immoral things moral if right. you get them along the way right uh and like you said that's a lot of I think how a lot of American
1: Christianity has become a very pragmatic. Which makes sense because we're also a Darwinian naturalist society. Yes. (laughs)
0: So. Yes. So (laughs) whatever the outcome
1: is, it's fine. Um, And
0: again, this just goes back to how do you. One way that you get out of that mindset is just really asking yourself, like, what is what am I going to be stubborn about? And you have to start with being stubborn about the truth. What is true. Right. And a lot of us want to cut those corners, like you said, to get the desirable result instead of,
1: well, I think having faith in God. Right. See that even the, the outcome that works is still time sometimes based off of, of a perception Right. That something's not working and that you would need right. to be expedient right, and go, like, yeah. that you would need, that God would not, um, he asks that we, he commands that we be faithful and obedient. There is, you are not going to find a moment mm-hmm. where he says, in order to be obedient, I need you to be disobedient.
0: Right, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly true. <laughs> and I think a lot of times it's a really bad you're you're probably really bad at understanding story if you think that god would have you be disobedient in order to get an obedient result but i just think about how often um the aims of villains are often very pragmatic so
1: for, that's why everyone loves the villain story
0: now today too right right because they they are they are pragmatic like in the the biggest franchise, I think the world has ever seen what Marvel did for the last, whatever, 12 years. Mm-hmm. The big villain saw that there was a lot of problems and disease in the world. And his the end that he wanted was actually peace. Like, the, the what he right. wanted was for there to be peace and for everybody to flourish. And the way he was going to get that was by killing half of the universe. Which,
1: I mean... <laughs> That's how strong his convictions were. Yes. So he that's how strongly he felt yes. he was doing the right thing. Right. In a hard way.
0: Right. And so, that I mean, could you t- talk about a more pragmatic paradigm of just like, well, the end result is going to be good and it's going to bring Wait, peace. Just and- so you
1: know, population control is something that actual people believe in, not just Marvel supervillains.
0: <laughs> they might have been trying to warn us about something, Oops. someone in that... <laughs> Original story, but anyway, um, yeah, I think a lot of sorry, no, he's our savior, <laughs> he has all of the mind stones and the infinity stones. And the anyway, um, so yeah, I just think a lot of times it's a failure to read a story rightly. Um, well, yeah,
1: it's saying, like, look, I know what's gonna happen at the end of this story, so now I'm gonna behave in a way that suits that even though all I'm doing is projecting my desired end of this story onto something that I don't actually know.
0: Yeah. Well, and to make it a little bit more personal, I think for a lot of people I've heard moms say, um, I've heard a lot of moms talk about situations like really bad discipleship situations they've put themselves in because of, because they were being pragmatic. Um, and it's as simple as your kid always throws a fit if you say no to giving them a treat and you don't want to deal. You What you want is peace and right. your kid not to throw a fit. So you just always give them the treat. And now you're three years into this. And you're being held hostage mm-hmm. by a five-year-old who cannot handle not being given
1: the whatever treat. Whatever they want.
0: Yeah, whatever they want. And then the moms are like, I don't know how to get out of this cycle. And it's like, while well, you were being pragmatic. That was, so step number one, like, you have to recognize that you were not being obedient.
1: No matter What how- you were saying is what works best for me is not to take the time to disciple. Right. I was all about
0: my desired outcome, which was not having to deal with the two-year-old's
1: meltdown. And then I was surprised that not dealing with it did not deliver any results. Yes. (laughs) Only temporary ones. Right. Which, again, I just feel like whenever I think about pragmatism, it always comes back to just, like, the finite human wisdom, the folly of our perception, and our ability to lie to ourselves. So like we sometimes we're attempting to achieve a perceived outcome and again, we're just gonna keep talking about it, but that's not living in real life. Right. That's lying to yourself and saying right. you know what's gonna happen. So right. I know this is gonna happen. So I have to take XYZ action. Yeah. Um, in order to avoid or make it happen faster or whatever. Um, and that's just not how we're supposed to view um our don't know success is the word that comes to mind but I don't it's not my favorite word for what I'm trying to say sure
0: no it makes sense I just think there's the again like you have to have a stubborn insistence on doing what is right yeah regardless of the outcome yeah you have to do what's right and that's true it particularly when we're talking about evangelism right so yeah. you're not promised a certain outcome when you evangelize, but you still need to do what is right. Right. Um, and I just think about, think about all the people that we know that have spent years standing outside of abortion mills and watching people go in and murder their children. And it's like, they're not there. if they were pragmatic, then every time they failed to get a woman to stop from going in, then their efforts were, worthless why keep doing it which
1: is an argument that actual people make the argument being you're not going to be able to stop all murders from happening so why stop any stop any yes
0: that's not total pragmatism yeah uh why hand out tracks why go why go do these evangelistic maneuvers if not every what if not every person gets saved right i mean it's just ridiculous
1: the best outcome for you Right. Not like in the case of murder, it's not yeah. the best. Up- I don't think the person, the victim of the murder would feel the same <laughs> as you. <laughs> right. Basically, anytime when you're faced with
0: doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing or doing nothing and you're like, well, the you and you base <laughs> your decision on the other person ha- doing what you want them right. to do, what you're really saying is I'm just not willing Right.
1: I'm not willing to do the uncomfortable thing. It doesn't work for me to be uncomfortable. Right. That's pragmatism. It doesn't work for me to do the right thing.
0: Pragmatism is always the enemy of obedience. It's almost
1: always the opposite
0: of obedience.
1: Especially now. Yes. I think there would have been a time, like in our history, Mm -hmm. where... A well there obviously there was because this is how it snuck in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um where there was a time where when when people did revere God's word more and and the law mm-hmm. and the Bible mm-hmm. were aligned, mm-hmm. um, pragmatism would have looked a little differently. That's not what we're talking about. Obviously, there yeah. is a lot of there is a lot of amazing practical outworking of not experiencing the consequences of your sin and the blessings of faithfulness those are inherent but that's not we're talking about an actual system Mm -hmm. based on evolutionary thinking Mm -hmm. where an individual aside from the word of God Mm -hmm. can determine what is best conventionally and individually by just determining what is what works best for me or what works best for this group
0: in the end, what regardless is the of whether or not that's right. actually
1: coherent with other groups of people. Right. Um,
0: so, yeah. Well, and I think you can get tripped up. This would be my only caveat is let's say you some people will just kind of say like, oh, I'm using the pragmatic approach. Um, and they might mean something maybe a little different. Right. Just saying like. You know this battle isn't worth fighting, so we're just gonna go with, you know. And it's adiaphora; it's genuinely not sin right. to go left or go right. It's just, yeah, whatever. I'm pragmatically take whatever. That I would, I would say, is not what we're talking about right. at all. I think we've defined the term just fine. Yeah. Um. And sometimes taking that pragmatic approach, which just means you're making a wise decision. Yeah. Uh, to do a, a desired outcome is totally different um, than essentially what pragmatism in the church and in philosophy and in social constructs has become. But also, it's just something we're guilty of typically when we're being spiritually and emotionally lazy. Right. Um, and just kind of, you know, it's the kind of thing that you do when you're like, you know, uh, a lot of people when they like weigh options and they're... <laughs> The pragmatic approach of just, like, you know, when I was a kid, um, kids didn't drive in car seats. So, like, I don't know why kids – I need to put my kid in a car seat now. It's kind of, like, this weird, like, I didn't die, so, like, you'll be fine. Like, the result of not being cautious when I was a kid and I'm here and I'm 50 and it's, like – what (laughs) like that kind of weird, just like as long as the end is fine, who cares what you did? Right. right. That's what this discussion is about. Um, Just because, you know, someone who smoked for 40 years and doesn't have cancer doesn't mean
1: that you you should smoke. Does not, we don't have evidence that smoking leads to a variety of health issues.
0: Right. Like it's just, it's silly. And I think it's, I think a lot of times it's really genuinely, laziness
1: well yeah and yeah I think that if you become practiced in assessing the right thing and you reject pragmatism I think you will build a muscle yeah and it almost gets to the point where it's like that is so obviously not the right choice I wish
0: (laughs) I just like a bald head just like grew out of your head because my dad peeked around the corner we're but on our yeah. last point so yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah basically it will become more and more obvious to the point where you're like how could anyone choose that decision that's obviously based off of right human perception um or you right know? but yeah so it, i to your point it's sometimes not obvious that you're being a pragmatist, correct. Until you think about it, but the you more you, you practice, and the more you consider <laughs> yes. in wisdom the decisions that you make, yes, um, the easier it becomes to s- to see, yes, when someone is exercising pragmatism. All right. Well, you can leave us a voicemail at
0: 470-465-0475 At least I can still remember
1: that. that
0: <laughs> at least I can still remember that. <laughs> Alright guys, that is it for this week. And oh my daughter's listening to my Spotify. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. No, you guys, I have I have music for you. There it is. We'll see you next week. Oh. Oh.